Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Mark Spector. Stoffer Inspector brought to you by the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta Live Racing. Thursday night, Saturday day, Sunday, out at Century Mile. And the second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Buy or lease your next office network printer from digitex.ca e-commerce store. No need to spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location, digitex.ca. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology, software, IT, and supplies. All right, uh, Spec, we can tell people they can text us at 630-630 on our Heartland Ford text line out of Fort Saskatchewan. We're going to hear from George Kingston at 115. He too, like Ken Hitchcock, received the Order of Hockey in Canada earlier today. And uh, then Kurt Hill, the GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings, to talk about some of the Western League okay. prospects. Speaking of the draft, yes. It's opening up a little bit. Kind of the, all the orders are changing at last second here, Bob. Well, there's a thing called recency bias for people, you know, and, and obviously that would benefit specifically American players, um, you know, on a terrific U18 team. Of course, built to win that tournament each year. They did not win. Sweden won, and that's you know, Philip Broberg was the best defenseman at that tournament. Mm-hmm. And so a guy like Craig Button moved him back. And look, there's several people now that have got him in the top ten. There's others that it's have funny. kept him. He's a, he's a guy, when you look through the, you know, you get the the sites that that uh, com- that compile all the different rankings. Yeah. And there's very few players who go as deep. Like some rankings have him 28th. And other rankings have him fifth. You yeah, know, there's, he's, there's a wide variance on right. Philip Broberg for sure. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, what that means. What's, what's your t- you know, I had some people say, well, there's going to be eight American players in the top 20. What an awesome team the U.S. Well, if well it is a good team. It is a good team. There's no question. Yeah. Of course, basically all their best players play on the one team. Well, it's an all-star team. It's an all-star team. If we had a CHL all-star team, they'd have eight guys in the top whatever, too. So... Listen, that's the way the states does it. Yeah, uh, and I think the one thing too is, as we've everybody knows this, you play with really, really good players, and you play better. Yeah. Right, you get more points, you improve. It's good for your development. You're practicing against better players. Practicing against better players every day, like it's good for those players that make the team. And it ain't going to change for Canada either, because they're not going to give up junior we're, hockey. There's well, way- we're not doing one. We can't do one all-star team. We got too many good players. But 
Uh, that's all I would say is that player now gets spread out away from being on an all-star team. You know, just as it's tough to judge a guy like Krebs who played in the Kootenai team. Who are terrible. They were terrible. a bad team. It makes it hard to judge a player when he's carrying his team like that. He's the only guy anyone has to check, that sort of thing. I think it's also difficult to gauge that player who is supported so fully as is a player on that USA team. How's yeah. he going to be yeah. on your 28th place team? Mark, I do think one thing I noticed in Buffalo, and I interviewed Canadians and Americans, and I've been at that event for the last six years, dating back to Toronto. Mm -hmm. The American kids are more comfortable in front of the mic. There's something about their system that allows them to show more personality. That's interesting. Okay, that's my own personal more experience. Pers- I would say, are they more? Do they get more interviews? Do I, I, I don't. I don't know if they get more. Some kid playing in Kootenay or Brandon. Well, maybe. Except if that kid in Kootenay or Brandon is in doing interviews every day, like maybe it's only with the same couple of guys. But yeah, that's fair. Maybe there's actual media training taking place with the oh, U.S. National Development Program was. as well. Probably, but their kids interview well. Okay, and that is part of the process for the teams. They don't just interview well with the media. They interview well yeah, in the interviews with right. the GMs and stuff. The sure. days of Robbie Shrimp doing an interview where he uses all seven of the words that George Carlin said <laughs> you couldn't say on TV. Uh, Terry Ryan still has the funniest story ever, though, when he was talking about, hey, look, there's no way you're drafting me, so let's quit BSing each other around here. <laughs> you you want to know whether or not you should take Lanco at five? Yeah, go take Lanco at five. He's a heck of a player. <laughs> right? <laughs> then he ended up going eight that year. Well, I had a, a executive tell me only yesterday that I was talking to, and he said, you know, when we're talking interviewing a kid from a team, let's say they would have been interviewing a kid from, uh, let's say you're the Oilers and it's a kid from Guelph, just for fun. Yeah. Well, you ask them a bunch of questions, but then you throw in, now what about Sam Rukov? How hard is he working out there? Because you've got that player, and you wouldn't mind a little more intel on him. Yeah. <laughs> and play, executives across the league will ask that question to a young player. And what about that teammate of yours that happens to be our property? What do you think about him? And it's just a, it's hey, life is an intelligence gathering operation, Bob. The smarter you are, the better you do. <laughs> it took you all of fifty-four years figuring to figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah, you got it. You got it under control. <laughs> all right, Mark. Maybe explain to the listeners what's going on with it. We thought the salary cap, the upper limit, was going to be eighty-three million. What's happened here? Well, that's a good question. I don't know what's happened, but I can take you through the process. We both know this, Bob. The figure 83, when it originally comes out, it comes from the New York. It comes from Daly and Bettman's desks, right? That's who, that's where that number originates from. So they don't, we've been doing this for a while here with a cap. That number that comes out like four months ago, it's always right, right? Every year. We've never had this where we get to the crunch time and everyone's going, whoa, wait a second here. This number's not right. They go at their March meetings and tell their general managers, here's the number you're looking at next year, boys. And somehow this year, that number's not right. It's down, let's say it's down a million bucks a team. That's 31 million. It's not a straight 31 million number because other you know, uh, revenues get siphoned off to different places. Somewhere, $50 million disappeared. You know? Somewhere, there's 50, 60 million that just disappeared. Did an advertiser for the league not pay up? Or? Hey, that's it. That part, now we're was there the Was there a uh, residual bonus built in based on television numbers in the playoffs for one of the two uh, major now? What, what do you think it was? It's a good question. You know, there could have been some... Uh, I don't believe there's a bonus structure in the Sportsnet deal, but that's just a little bit above my pay grade, Bob. 
Really? Just you a, don't have access to those type. You can't talk uh, to your usually people. Usually I do, but for some reason. So I don't. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, we have basically ten or eleven teams that pay pay into uh, the cap system to revenue sharing, into yeah. revenue sharing to bring up the narrative wells and the Oilers uh, for the majority of the year since the 0405 lockout with the exception maybe of a couple and the Canadian dollar has played a factor in oh, that for sure. huge could that be it well, yes. were they betting on a seventy-eight cent Canadian dollar, and it's come in at seventy-four and a half? Seventy. Has it taken a big dive since March? I don't think so. Uh, uh. I mean, I'm not saying it's any good, but I think I'm aware that it hasn't had a major spike downward. Because yeah. that could be an obvious answer. If it went down five cents and stayed there since March, there's your answer. But I don't think it has. Yeah. If there's any bank, aren't they getting there, a they new? Aren't in. they getting a new American TV uh, deal? They are a. They are ready to get one. They do not have it yet, so those revenues are not in anyone's pocket. So, you know, when uh, whenever there's cheap shots coming out of the U.S., there's a guy that cheap shots all the time that's based in New Jersey, uh, that, uh-huh. uh, or he's a New Jersey fanboy. Uh, I... I find it ironic that, you know, the Oilers play a game against New Jersey. The Devils got roughly, not that I know the exact figure, 900000 uh, for that game because they make more in that home game over in Sweden than they would make for one of their own home games. Yeah. In their, right? Obviously, the Oilers are not giving up a home game for a game in Europe. That's just not at this stage Well, right it goes now. the opposite, I think, Bob. The NHL has to buy the game from the team. Right. So when they take New Jersey and Edmonton somewhere, they say, uh, New Jersey, this is your home game and we're buying it from you. Yeah. We're not buying buying Eminence home gate because it costs three times as much. Right. Right. So there you have it. it and that's it, why you'll see the Leafs, if they ever get in those games, they're always the visiting team. Yeah. They and never, and they Edmonton will be, game. and the Oilers will be the visiting team as well. That, yeah, you're not buying an Oilers game if you can buy, put them, put them in the rink against Carolina and buy their game instead. I would right. say this, the challenges in Calgary and Vancouver are certainly, even though the Oilers have got their challenges here, they've got a very cheesed off fan base that thanks to the lack of uh, success over the last, uh, yep. especially the last couple of years. I mean, that those stung with oh, sure. substantive yep, changes. They've got some work to do on that front. But, Bob, revenues aren't an issue. All right, here we go. Uh, 81 and a half to 82 and a half million dollars. You have exactly 80, uh, 39 seconds to uh, make the call, please, if you could, over there, Dayton. Uh, if you could call our, our guest. Uh, you got Where's it going to, how's that going to impinge on the Oilers' roster? All right, what's the first priority? What do they have to get, no matter what? Well, they've got to get a goalie. Okay. Right. So I've budgeted one and a half to two and a half million for a guy that's a one B goalie that can start thirty to thirty five million. You think I can get that for 30 to thirty five games, yeah. You think I can get that? Okay. Yeah, I think you can. There's a bunch of guys out there. Okay. I've budgeted two and a half to three and a half million dollars for another top nine forward. Could be a center or also a it needs wing. Needs to be a third line center. Okay. Three million dollar player. Unless you can, I don't know, is there possibly one over, like, could you go that San Jose route where you go over to Europe and find a guy like that? I don't know. That exists. That's a tough, that's a tough You haven't found him yet, Bob. I don't like your chances. Okay. Uh, And then a couple cheaper guys. Now you need wingers. That's why Ken Holland is really not that worried about rebuilding his defense here. It's like the fourth priority. I'm not saying it's the greatest defense in the league. No, what I'm saying. But it's a fourth report. It's it's way down the list. He's got to get the goalie. He's got to get the center. And then he still needs to add a couple wingers and hopefully some that can surprise and score a few more goals this year than they scored last year wherever they played. And all, right. all of those guys are those are now I will say this Bob with the cap going down 
uh, there's going to be more guys out there looking for work and taking cheaper numbers. So there, there for a team like Edmonton, it's it might not be such a bad thing. All right. Earlier on today's show, uh, we talked to former Edmonton Oilers head coach Ken Hitchcock. Uh, we're now going to be joining Ken reference the significant uh, contributions of primarily Canada West uh, college coaches, university coaches, uh, including uh, the legendary Claire Drake at the University of Alberta. Uh, Ken mentioned Wayne Fleming, who, of course, was an Oilers assistant that passed away a few years ago, uh, was the head coach with the Manitoba Bisons. Dave King is still around advising people, uh, was the head coach at Saskatchewan when when they won the 83 National Championship. George Kingston is a former, uh, I'm pretty sure he played for Claire Drake. I should know this. I'm the former SID of the school and uh, for a number of years was a head coach at Calgary before being a head coach of the San Jose Sharks. We go to George Kingston. George, it's Bob and uh, Mark Spector. How are you doing? Ben, I'm doing very fine. It's a wonderful day here in Edmonton to come back and to uh, be sharing uh, with Ken Hitchcock uh, induction. Hitch is a special person in our lives. Yeah, uh, well, he credited uh, you and that generation of uh, teacher educators that maybe did things a little differently. And, I'm, you know, we'd be remiss without uh, mentioning Claire Drake, who uh, passed away last year, because I know that he played an important part in your life as well, George. Yeah, yes, he certainly did. And there's another gentleman that uh, was there in grade 10 as my football basketball coach, and that was Murray Smith. And Murray Smith is very well known in Edmonton. And then uh, from grades 10 to 12, I had Murray and grade 11 and 12, Claire. And then at the University of Calgary, uh, sorry, University of Alberta, I uh, then joined them and then eventually went to the University of Calgary. Uh, Murray Smith, for years, uh, was a sports psychologist. Actually, worked with the Oilers as late as the early two th- time, yeah. early two thousands. He's such a smart. He guy. was an old school guy yeah. too. He was not a warm and fuzzy sports uh, psychologist. So, uh, y- you know, George, when you think about this, is you receive the. Uh, order of hockey in Canada. It's, it's sort of a, a sense, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but kind of a lifetime appreciation for your contributions of giving to the game. You think that's a fair assessment? I think that's a wonderful assessment, you know, and I follow people that are a very impressive list, some of whom are my heroes, like uh, Gordy Renwick, for example, and Murray Costello, because they, along with Gordon Jukes, were my entree into international hockey. And I spent a lot of years in international hockey, uh, really taking all the things that we developed with Hockey Canada and the certification program early in the piece for the International Ice Hockey Federation was the result of primarily the work that Claire and I did. Uh, And then along came, uh, you know, Wayne Fleming, Dave King and others. And then our collaboration was a very special time in Canadian hockey. And yes, there were educators. Uh, There was also the Quebec branch that were doing some wonderful work. And you know, all of it has contributed to the evolution of coaching from uh, working the bolt. That used to be what the coaches did when I was a player, you know, in the 50s and 60s. Uh, And then all of a sudden, you know, coaches uh, have emerged as leaders in the game in terms of not just X's and O's, but in the people business of the game. 
Are, you know, go there, ahead, Mark. There's an old saying, George, Mark Spector here, uh, too soon old, too late smart. And when I was a kid, I was just eight, is like 86, 85. I'm working at the Gateway at the University of Alberta. And these coaches are... Right, I know, Mark. I remember you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. He was a pain in the ass then, yeah, too, wasn't he, George? <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, these coaches... I thought coaches were pains in the arse. <laughs> these coaches are rolling through town, you know. And it's it's Wayne Fleming's coming through with Manitoba, and uh, uh, Dave King was just done at Saskatchewan. But you're down in Calgary, coming through town, and remember Terry O'Malley was out in BC, and of course Claire Drake and Billy Moore's are here in Edmonton. And I mean, we didn't even use digital recorders back then. But if I could take all that knowledge somehow, right? Was there not a book in all of those guys? How did you all end up in the same conference at roughly the same time? That's a ton of accrued hockey knowledge in one place, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. But you know what? Uh, we competed hard, but we cooperated harder because we saw a larger vision of the game. And the larger vision of the game, I think I can articulate by saying this. When I was a player, I never heard anything uh, in the motivation or in the direction of the coach's talk in, other than fear, intimidation, guilt, isolation, shunning, and all of those were negatives. And then Murray Smith, first time on the football field. Tomorrow, men, we're going to be better at this. And here's what your individual assignment is for tomorrow. And then he would talk to uh, individual players. And we were expected to get from good to better to best. And it was the first positive, positive, positive that I heard. And I went from uh, really going for architecture and I decided to be a physical educator and a preventive medicine person in our society by following Murray and then Claire. And then, you know, other people along at the University of Alberta were, you know, the first international faculty of physical education. And it was so fortunate for all of us and then it became a think tank because Howie Green came from Ontario. Butch Hyde came from Ontario. Different other people came and sought out the University of Alberta with Claire and with Murray and all the other wonderful professors. And away... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The University of Alberta went in the prestige ranking of being the university to go to for sport. Well, I, I, I can tell you this, uh, George, one of the things, uh, we'll get to the San Jose Shark stuff in a second, but when I talked to our American counterparts and, uh, you know, we had Ken on earlier today and he compared Claire Drake, he said he's like the John Wooden, this guy's John Wooden in hockey. But when when, when Mark and me are down there uh, with the team traveling, we, we, they say, well, how good was Claire Drake? And I'm like, well, do you have a coach? 
they could win a football national championship in the fall and a hockey national championship in the winter. And they're like, are you kidding? <laughs> well, he did that in 67, 68. So, uh, so obviously his skills were transferable to other sports as well. And I know he had, you know, uh, I think Gino Fracas might have been around at that time. He might have had some help, but it's pretty impressive. Now, I, I'm going to have some fun with you. You coached San Jose for two years. What was harder, going 11-71-2 in your second year or working those two years with Drew Remenda? <laughs> you know, Drew Remenda, I think uh, <laughs> let, let's put a coaching staff together, okay? Where did Drew fit? Drew is his own man, and Drew was terrific with Bob Murdoch and I. And we were the first team, you know, to really use uh, a person hired directly as a co-coach who was a video coach as well. It wasn't a separate video coach. This was a coach. And, you know, for us, he was really, really important because talking about it is not as good for an athlete as seeing and doing it. And, and Drew was instrumental in there. So I have everything to say positive about Drew. And along the way, of course, he became one of you guys. And I think he did it rather well for the San Jose Sharks. And then to come up to Edmonton and do his part here, I think he was a very good person in the media as well. I think uh, you had some crazy times in San Jose, right? You guys were in the cow palace. Oh, absolutely. You know, you were, you were one of Gary Bettman's visionary new Sunbelt teams playing out of the old cow palace. We did in San Francisco. Link Gates. Yeah, you had Link Gates. <laughs> yeah. uh, take us through. What was, it, you know, what was it like being the guy in charge of running that ship? Well, first of all, I, I, I want to say that Jack Ferreira was the person that hired me, and I'd worked with him in Calgary, and he was very important in the Flames winning their uh, Stanley Cup because he brought in all the college players. He was a great scout and a great hockey person. And I only had one year to work with him, and that was really unfortunate because I thought that uh, working, uh, you know, signing on to work with Jack after I'd worked with him in Minnesota was a really important step. And he was a very uh, important person. And then at the end of year one, he's gone. So the first year, I'll take you through that. I thought we had character people, and these were selling the game. We took about 95% of the people that were in the cow palace there, and they went down to the shark tank. You know, so the fans and the player interaction was phenomenal. These young men sold the game in the Bay Area, where it had failed with Oakland, and you've got, you know, how many major sport teams? You know, football, basketball, baseball, and then you've got San Jose State and, uh, you know, UCLA, Stanford. you know, Stanford. You know, man, oh, man, you've got branches of other universities in there. And what a sales job our young players did by playing hard, playing honest, and every night was a work night for them. And he did it. George, we got to wrap up. Uh, we appreciate you joining us here on Oilers Now. I would have loved to have talked about uh, 94. Uh, I've had a, a friend who's since passed away that uh, actually took a shot for Canada in uh, in the gold medal game in 94 against Sweden. That was Greg Parks. But uh, I, I just want to say, hey, it was terrific having you on. It's a wonderful story. Congratulations and enjoy your time here in Edmonton uh, with the Order of Hockey in Canada. 
Very special. Thank you, uh, Bob and Mark. Uh, much appreciated. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's George Kingston. And, uh, you know, he was the GM of the Canadian uh, Olympic team in 94. Yep. And then he ended up being the head coach of the 94 World Championship team. And you remember, uh, Ranford was the goalie for that. Uh, and uh, Can- they So they, they lost the gold medal on the Forsberg stamp after Canada got up early in the shootout against the Swedes. Yep. And the, and the Olympics, and then Canada came back and ended up winning the World Hockey Championship. Robitaille was on that. Yeah, team? I think that was the first one too. And then Where the World Champions went. Yeah, well, no, no, first one that Canada. They had been going for a while, but the first time Canada won gold medal, I think, yeah. was in '94. Yeah, I remember the, the I remember Billy Ranford. It was yeah more elation than you thought you'd see. Like those guys won that thing, and they were. Stoked. Did you, how about uh, how about did you see they gave Bowmeister you get a little medal now if you you're with that triple gold club right and they gave they presented it to him in St Louis they did their team photo a oh. couple days ago and who does that like the IHS no no it's the guy from uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame or whatever Zimberg yeah yeah the guy with the hair yeah. and he's uh, he's in there and they got all right well Jay's the 29th player in history to win a Stanley Cup now uh, with an Olympic gold and a oh. World Championship Phil Pritchard so he, yeah about. that's yeah. who we're talking about Phil Pritchard so they show him the little they, they gets a little medal. He, he looks at the boys and goes, I think this one means the most. And they all just deadpans <laughs> it, right? Obviously. Hey, you know what? There's, and when you think of people talk about Broberg, let's go full circle, Bob, back to the draft. Broberg, you know, he skates. They say he might be the best skating defenseman in the draft. Right. For one. But he doesn't do this. And oh, he'd, his hockey sense is there and all of those things. I look at Jay Bowmeister. And all we've ever known about Jay is he's the best skating defenseman that anyone had ever seen when he came along. Yeah. And he's, he doesn't get a lot of points, right? Yeah. But he's a 1,200-game player he's, who's played a career of 24-minute games. He might get, he might get to 1,400 games, nah, like, which is an incredible... Is that not a guy, if you could redraft Jay Bomeister tomorrow, first overall... Well, they did, look, you know Flo- what? Florida knew what they were doing. They didn't want to back... That was before there was a cap system yeah. for rookies, and they didn't want to pay. Right. So Columbus jumped up and got Nash at number one. Uh, Atlanta went with Lettinen at number two. Florida knew. They had the whole thing finagled. But you know what? It cost them. Because, yeah, he played his six years there, but Brian Baltimore, let him know. We're not going to sign long-term here, and they had to trade him. Is it not all about today's defending is about skating? Get to the puck first. Get to the space first. Close the gap first. It's all about getting there faster than the next guy. Broberg uh, does all those you things. Want, I kind of like the looks of them. Do you got a run or do you want to hang out and talk ah, some WHL prospects? We'll do that uh, when we come back after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.